Welcome to the Nature Reliance Podcast, where we explore the history and practical experience of the great outdoors and discover new ways to connect with nature. I'm Craig Cottle, your guide through the fascinating world of natural living and survival skills through experiential education and interviews. Today's episode is brought to you by the Nature Reliance School Online Membership, an immersive online learning experience designed for outdoor enthusiasts just like you. Are you passionate about the outdoors? Do you crave more knowledge about disaster readiness, wilderness survival, bushcraft, tracking, and nature awareness? If so, the Nature Reliance School online membership is your gateway to a community of like-minded individuals, all dedicated to learning and sharing essential outdoor skills. With the Nature Reliance School online membership, you get exclusive access to a wealth of resources, including expert-led tutorials, interactive webinars, and a library of engaging courses, downloadable books, and documents. Whether you're a beginner or an experienced outdoorsman, there's always something new to learn. So don't wait. Click on the link below to join the Nature Reliance School online membership today. Embrace the wilderness, enhance your skills, and become part of a community that values nature as much as you do. Now, let's dive into today's episode. This episode of Nature Reliance Media Podcast is brought to you in part by Titan Survival. Titan Survival is a family-owned business with products that are trusted and used by military personnel and outdoor enthusiasts around the world. The company was started in 2012 with an innovation in paracord construction. They have since expanded their line of products to include, among other things, emergency sleeping bags, survival steel, mylar survival blankets, survival cord keychains, and much more. If you wish to support these Nature Reliance Media Podcasts, you can do so by ordering products from a proud American veteran-owned company, Titan Survival. And be assured by their lifetime guarantee on all their Titan Survival products. Just follow the link provided in the notes. Hey everybody and welcome to another Nature Reliance Media Podcast. This is Craig Cottle. Going to foray myself right into another historical sharing of information for you. Trying to make this a little bit more fun. Uh, there's some inter- interesting information that's kind of, you know, like the last couple that I've done. These have kind of been, wow, I can't believe they did all that. Uh, just trying to share some information about the good old holiday of Thanksgiving with you all today. God love a history. And man, there's so much history that, that we think is true that's just straight up bullcrap. <laughs> so what I thought I'd do is I, I dug into some research to try to find some things about the first Thanksgiving in particular, and then uh, go into how we have arrived to where it is that we are today as it relates to the Thanksgiving holiday. If you poll 100 people, uh, the statistics are showing that the vast majority of people, well over 50%, actually about 63% by one study that I saw, says that the favorite holiday of the year is Thanksgiving. I don't know what the reason is for that. Uh, I can guess why it's probably one of my favorites is I get to hang out and see family. And we don't have to deal with all the gift giving and all that crap. I just get, I get really burdened by that. I don't know if you're like me, but I get really sick of the gift giving and all that stuff. I'd rather just do a little family reunion, get together and hang out and talk. Uh, that's just kind of where I am. But that said, Thanksgiving allows us an opportunity to do that. Being the most beloved holiday by most Americans, it's well worth our understanding to gather some information about the very first Thanksgiving. Now, 
whether it was called Thanksgiving or not, we're pretty certain it wasn't. But the details between the Plymouth Colony settlers and the Wampanoag Indians in November of 1621 are, at best, sketchy. Like, really sketchy. And one of the best accounts that we have is from a letter from an English settler named Edward Winslow. And he never mentions the word Thanksgiving. But he tells of a week-long harvest celebration that included basically a three-day celebration with the king and, I don't know how to say his name, Massasoit, and 90 Wampanoag men. Again, Wampanoag men. That's a Native American group of people. And his to summarize it, it was just, so we might, after a more special manner, rejoice together. And that's basically what he said. That, that was the first Thanksgiving. So what I wanted to do is uh, that first Thanksgiving has changed dramatically, but what I want to do is read some things from that letter, as well as then get into some fact or fiction type discussions on some of the things that have happened. So here's the excerpt from Edward Winslow's 1621 account of the feast at Plymouth. Our harvest being gotten in, our governor sent four men on fowling, that so that we might, after a special manner, rejoice together. After we had gathered the fruits of our labors, they, four in one day, killed as much fowl as, with a little help besides, served the company almost a week, at which time, amongst other recreations, we exercised our arms, many of the Indians coming amongst us, and amongst the rest their greatest king, Massasoit, with some ninety men, whom... For three days we entertained and feasted, and they went out and killed five deer, which they brought to the plantation and bestowed on our governor and upon the captain and others. And although it be not always so plentiful as it was at this time with us, yet by the goodness of God we are so far from want that we often wish you partakers of our plenty. Now, that's it, you all. That's that's the excerpt. And that's that's basically where the beginnings of the Thanksgiving traditions began. And that's what we know about it written, and that was written in 1621. So that's pretty cool, isn't it? You know, they're eating a lot of fowl, whether that was turkey or not, or ducks or what have you, is not exactly known. There's, it never is stated that they killed wild turkeys or stuff of that nature. Now, it's very clear that they killed venison, they, or they killed deer and had venison. Whether or not they had a big turkey dinner like, you know, we see when we're in grade school and stuff like that, it's, it's more than likely not like that at all. I mean, think about it. It's pretty difficult to to bake a turkey when you can just pull off parts of it, cook over to a fire. I mean, that you know, if you're feasting over three days, they probably did fix something in the ground, baked it in the ground. And we've done this in classes before with quail and rabbit where we dig a hole. Well, we build a big fire, huge fire, develop a whole bunch of coals, and then dig a hole and uh, line the hole with coals and then wrap a bird or a rabbit or something like that up with, with large leaves if we have it. If not, you know, in the modern time, something that, you know, like aluminum foil or something of that nature. Stick it in the hole, cover it with coals, and then bury it. Sometimes I'll leave a hole where you can blow air in there and keep those, fire those coals up again every now and then. But anyway, uh, that's one way you could bake a bird. But that that's so problematic and takes so much effort that, that uh, more than likely they just cook these animals over the fire. There you have it. Isn't that interesting that all this stuff that we think is history may or may not be true as far as it relates to Thanksgiving 
and that's basically what little bit we know about it. There's not a whole lot out there. So what I thought I'd do is take us through time and see what else I can come up with. So number one, fact or fiction. Thanksgiving is held on the final Thursday of November each year. That's fiction, you all. In 1863, President Abraham Lincoln designated the last Thursday in November as the National Day of Thanksgiving. However, in 1939, that's not that long ago, after a request from the National Retail Dry Goods Association, President Franklin Roosevelt decreed that the holiday should always be celebrated on the 4th Thursday of the month, and never the occasional 5th, as occurred in 1939, in order to extend the holiday shopping season by a week. It's all about the Benjamins, isn't it? All about the money. The decision sparked great controversy and was still unresolved two years later when the House of Representatives passed a resolution making the last Thursday in November a legal national holiday. The Senate amended the resolution, setting the date as the fourth Thursday, and the House eventually agreed. That's how we arrived to where we are now. Here's another one, fact or fiction. One of America's founding fathers thought that the turkey should be the national bird of the United States. So you're probably going, yeah, I know this. I know this one. I know this one. Because this is, this is put out there fairly well. But yeah, that's fact. Uh, in a letter to his daughter sent in 1784, Benjamin Franklin suggested that the wild turkey would be a more appropriate national symbol for the newly independent United States than the bald eagle, which had earlier been chosen by the Continental Congress. He argued that the turkey was a much more respectable bird, a true original native of America, and, though a little vain and silly, a bird of courage. Here's what I think about Benjamin Franklin's thoughts on the wild turkey. Dead on. If you've ever been a turkey hunter, you know that this bird knows how to do its thing in the woods. I mean, it is good. They've got fantastic eyesight. They have a fantastic fight, flight, or freeze mechanism, which basically theirs is flight. They Something is out of whack for them. They're gone. They're out of there. They'll go find food and shelter somewhere else, right? And their eyesight has been equated to that of a bald eagle. And think about that. You're out in the woods with them as a hunter. And you've got something out there that can see as good as a bald eagle. But with that said, the bald eagle is a pretty majestic bird, isn't it? I mean, it's pretty fantastic. My dad this year, deer hunting, uh, we we moved to a little spot. We, we'd already killed a bunch of deer. We killed six deer this year. We had moved to a spot to kind of do some scouting, see what else we could see. And while he was out there, he looked up and there were two bald eagles flying right over top of the tree line above him. It was pretty fantastic. I don't know that he'd ever seen bald eagles before. So that was a pretty big day for him, which is pretty cool. All right, next, fact or fiction. Turkeys are slow-moving birds that lack the ability to fly. Fiction, kind of. Domesticated turkeys, basically the type that most people eat on Thanksgiving Day, cannot fly. And their pace is limited to a very slow walk, okay, because they're just crowded in, you know, big, huge farms, and they don't have the ability to fly. Uh, female domestic turkeys, which are typically smaller and lighter than males, can move somewhat faster. But wild turkeys, this is, comes from the experience of Craig Cottle here, they are much smaller and more agile. I mean, they can get up to 25, 20, 25 miles per hour on the ground. I mean, if you've never seen this, if you've never been in the woods and seen a turkey run through the woods, you go, what, really? Yeah, really. Uh, I'm all about it, son. I mean, they know how to zoom you see a turkey and you scare it, and it'll take off. One of the things uh, it's interesting to note about wild turkeys, they have really good eyesight. And unlike deer, they have better vision capabilities, more rods and cones, or a different setup of the rods and cones in their eyes, so they see color better. So they will see hunter orange in the woods 
So like here in the state of Kentucky, uh, it is a requirement for us when we gun hunt in the state of Kentucky to wear a, a solid hunter orange on our chest and our back on our head. You know, the deer don't really see that because they don't see the color the same that way we do. The turkeys can see that color, so they'll see that color way off through the woods, and it freaks them out, man. They'll often fly, but they'll fly short distances, and they can fly up to 55 miles per hour. And they have much, much better, as I mentioned, they must have much better eyesight and hearing than their domestic counterparts. And now, a word from our sponsor. Hey, you. Yeah, you. I'm talking to you. You like this podcast, don't you? And you're thinking about doing a podcast yourself. Let me tell you how easy it is to do this with Anchor. First off, the money's right. It's free. Zero cost. Secondly, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Bonus! You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Next one. Here you go. Are you ready? Native American used cranberries, now a staple of many Thanksgiving dinners for cooking as well as medicinal purposes. Fact or fiction, y'all? Take a guess. Fact. According to the Cape Cod Cranberry Growers Association, one of the country's oldest farmers' organizations, Native American used cranberries in a variety of foods, including pemmican. If you've never made pemmican, it's kind of like a... Uh, I used to make this a lot when I was a lot younger, or at least my dad did. Basically, it's a really, it's like a survival food, if you will, and something you'd carry in your possible's bag. But it's a combination of like berries, and you can use cranberries or blackberries or raspberries, whatever you have access to. Uh, basically, dried deer meat and some sort of melted lard or fat mash all this together and it's a, it's a food it's a it's a you know you carry it with you and you if you haven't been able to get anything trap anything honey thing or find edibles then there you go but native americans also used it as medicine to treat uh, puncture wounds and other wounds as well as a dye on fabric which i've used pokeberries for that often i've never used cranberries because it's not a big thing here in my neck of the woods, I know that those things will make fantastic dye. The actual pilgrims utilized these uses for the fruit and gave it the name Craneberry because its drooping pink blossoms in the spring reminded them of a crane. Now you know the rest of the story. <laughs> so, yeah. Next one, fact or fiction. The movement of the turkey inspired a ballroom dance. Fact. The turkey trot, you all. Come on. Modeled on that bird's characteristic short jerky steps is one of the number of popular dance styles that emerged during the late 19th and early 20th century in the United States. The two-step, a simple dance that required little to no instruction, that sounds exactly what Craig Cottle needs, was quickly followed by such dances as the one-step, the turkey trot, the foxtrot, and the bunny hug, which could all be performed to the ragtime and jazz music popular at that time. The popularity of such dances spread like wildfire, helped along by teaching and performance of, of exhibition dancers like the famous husband and wife team, Vernon and Irene Castle. So for those of you who have that listen, I know a lot of your Nature Alliance School uh, alumni. Uh, 
you know, where we used to have classes at the Girl Scout camp. Uh, that Girl Scout camp was a there down over the hill from the pavilion where we used to teach class at the at the pavilion. There was a there's an old building there, and I don't know some of you have heard me talk about this, some of you haven't, but they used to have there was a dance hall right there, and they would have big ballroom dances and these two step dances and everything there on Friday and Saturday nights. Often, pretty interesting piece of history for us there locally. So yeah, all right, another another one. Turkey contains an amino acid that makes you sleepy. Dun, dun, dun. I know what you're saying. Yeah, it sure does. It's tryptophan, right? That's what you're saying. Well, yes, turkey does contain the essential, which is an essential amino acid, tryptophan, which is somewhat of a natural sedative, but so do a lot of other foods like chicken, beef, pork, beans, and cheese. So it's not that you get some extra dosage of tryptophan at Thanksgiving just because you're eating turkey, because if you're eating any of that other stuff there that I just mentioned, you're getting it too. A lot of people think that the tryptophan in turkey is some, you know, multi-powerful something or another, but really it's more likely, you know, the combination of fats and carbohydrates that people eat with turkey and that you probably maybe overeat. Maybe even you take in a little of the alcohol, uh, depending on, man, you know, my family's from hills of Tennessee and they're all moonshiners down there. So, <laughs> so, you know, moonshine might be a big part of your Thanksgiving meal. I don't know. That's, I guess my mother was very, 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 I can't say it enough, very much against alcohol because of that in our house growing up. And so alcohol has never been an issue around my mom and dad's house. So, yeah. Number 10. I think this is going to be our last one. Yeah, this will be our last one. Fact or fiction. The tradition of playing or watching football on Thanksgiving started with the first National Football League game on the holiday in 1934. Fiction. Wrong. Nope. So the American tradition of college football on Thanksgiving is pretty much as old as the sport itself. The newly formed American Intercollegiate Football Association held its first championship game on Thanksgiving Day in 1876. Man, that was a long time ago. At that time, the sport resembled something between rugby and what we think of as football today. By the 1890s, more than 5,000 club, college, and high school football games were taking place on Thanksgiving, and championship matchups between schools like Princeton and Yale could draw up to 40,000 fans. So the NFL basically picked up that tradition in 1934 when the Detroit Lions, recently arrived at the city and renamed, played the Chicago Bears at the University of Detroit Stadium in front of 26,000 fans. Since then, the Lions game on Thanksgiving has become an annual event taking place every year except during World War II in the years 1939 through 1944. Just a little bit for you there on Thanksgiving. I hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, I like digging into history. You know, if we don't remember our history, we're doomed to repeat it. And there's some things in our history that probably do need to repeat. Maybe maybe not this year, uh, but maybe next year. Consider eating some deer meat for your Thanksgiving. Just call in some people that may or may not be your friends and maybe be your enemies and see if you can have a Thanksgiving dinner with them. I remember a few years ago, I ran a martial arts facility in Lexington, Kentucky, and I always made the offer to our students there to come join us for Thanksgiving dinner. And, and there were times where it just absolutely broke my heart. There were some times where there's some people that were just absolutely, totally lonely and alone during the holidays that came and joined the Cottle family for Thanksgiving. That's worthy of making an offer from time to time. 
And yeah, I think it should be a time where we all celebrate our families and get together. And maybe we haven't seen this person in a while. Maybe we know that that family member over there is, has had some really uh, tough health issues and we need to support them and give them strength and bond our families closer together. I'm all about that. But, you know, at times it's also worth our while to just show some kindness to a stranger by offering them a dinner. You know, I know a lot of the churches in our part of the world here, I don't know where you're listening to us at, in our part of the world here, we'll put Thanksgiving dinners together and take them to people that are, you know, basically shut-ins, people that live at home and and, uh, can't get out and and have a Thanksgiving dinner, don't have the capability to do that and stuff of that nature. So if you can find a way to support that, you know, as you're listening to this, this might be on Thanksgiving Day. Don't know when we'll be able to get this out. might be after but at least consider it moving forward. You know, you might have an opportunity to do something to, to make somebody's life just enriched. And it wouldn't take much to be able to do that for some people. So thanks for listening and be thankful. It's Thanksgiving, right? Be thankful for the things you have. I know I'm thankful for you all, the listeners of our podcast. Uh, it's It's been a fun ride doing this so far. We are learning so much and we're listening to what it is that you give us feedback on. So please share that with us. And as always, do everything you can to support our sponsors that you see in the link in the description below. So, uh, yeah, thank you so much for everything you've done to support what it is that we do at Nature Reliance School and here on the Nature Reliance Media Podcast. Because it's all about, come on, join in. Let's learn together. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Nature Reliance Media Podcast. We will do all we can to make this a great podcast, but we need your help. There are three simple and free ways you can help us out. Number one, subscribe. Number two, give us a great review. Five stars is great, but where it's optional, please add a sentence or two as well. And number three, share this podcast with your friends and family. We want this to be a mutually supportive community of listeners. Let us know what content you want to hear. If we can talk about it with experience, we will. And if we can't, we will find someone who can and interview them. Don't forget to look in the description below for links that we mentioned during the show. And that wraps up another fantastic episode of the Nature Reliance Podcast. I hope today's journey has inspired you to explore and connect with the natural world in new and exciting ways. Before I say goodbye, remember to check out the Nature Reliance School online membership. If today's episode sparked your interest in wilderness skills and outdoor adventures, this online community is the perfect place for you to start or continue your journey. You can currently sign up for a year for only $99 and get two months for free. Click the link below to discover a world of expert-led courses, engaging content, and a vibrant community eager to share their knowledge and experiences. Whether you're starting your outdoor journey or looking to deepen your existing skills, the Nature Reliance School online membership is here to guide you. Thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe for more adventures and share this podcast with your fellow nature enthusiasts. Until next time, come on, join in. Let's learn together.